Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. From slashing tour bus tires to hiring internet trolls and inflicting physical attacks, why is the Chinese Communist Party targeting Shen Yun, a U.S.-based arts performance the regime doesn't want you to see? We sat down with Levi Browdy, executive director of the Falun Dafa Information Center, to shed light on the CCP's manipulation tactics used right here in America. Levi Browdy, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me, Tiffany. Now, you're with the Falun Dafa Information Center, and you just published a policy brief called Beijing Targets Shen Yun in Global Campaign of Silence and Malign. Now, give us a sense of what is this report and what led to the need to publish something like this. So the report is covering a global campaign that the CCP has been waging for more than a dozen years to try and silence the performing arts group called Shen Yun. But more recently, there's some real battleground areas where this is really becoming an important fight for freedom of, of expression, places like South Korea and other places around the world. But perhaps more troubling is this campaign has evolved and it is now targeting Americans and citizens of Western democracies. That sounds like something called Shen Yun is at the heart at this. So before we move on, what is Shen Yun? Sure. So Shen Yun is a performing arts company that's actually based in New York, here in the United States. And really, the, the point of the show is to showcase authentic traditional culture. And so the show will have dance pieces where they pull from like the great works of Chinese literature, different dynasty traditions throughout Chinese history, ethnic groups, folk dances, things of that nature. It also, in a couple of dance pieces, will cover modern China, including the persecution of Falun Gong and the sort of the nature of the CCP regime in general. This company was actually founded by Falun Gong practitioners who were fleeing persecution in China. Most of the artists on stage that you see are Falun Gong practitioners, and many of them actually personally or their family members have experienced the persecution that's going on in China today. Now, getting back to this report, what is some of some examples of the campaign against Shen Yun that the CCP is waging? So this campaign is multifaceted, it's very aggressive, and it's global in nature. One of the main things they do is they utilize their diplomatic core. So these would be, in some cases, the ambassador in the country, consul generals out of some of the consulates, and other diplomatic people from the Chinese government. And they go out and they threaten theaters, they threaten local government officials with economic coercion, sometimes with sort of thuggish threats, um, some sort of vague threats of, of, of harming relations with China, all to get them to not put on the Shenyun performance. Um, they also go after vehicles, for example, sabotaging the vehicles that carry Shenyun performers and Shenyun equipment. Um, there's an incredibly vast disinformation campaign that undermine, that underpins this entire effort. Um, and they also go after, tragically, they go after family members. A lot of the, the, again, a lot of the performers with Shen Yun are from China. They have family back in China. And so either themselves or their family members, sometimes both, have experienced severe persecution, sometimes torture inside China. And on that note, give us a sense of maybe some countries or cities in the U.S. that did experience this. Sure. I mean, let's start here in the U.S. I mean, again, it's, it's all over the place. Um, one example is Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, Shen Yun was going to perform there a few years ago. The consulate in Houston sent them this big, long letter pressuring them. They shouldn't have the show. Uh, there'll be financial consequences. Luckily, like, and this happens a lot. Luckily, the, the head of the theater looked 
took one look at that letter and said, not on my watch. This is America. We don't do this. And he actually issued a public statement saying, we're proud to have Shen Yun. And he handed the, the letter over to the FBI. So you see a lot of this around the country. I think the, the city council in Seattle got pressure from the consulate out of California, um, Chicago, Atlanta, um, New York, Washington, DC. And sometimes, like in the case of Washington, they'll go after the sponsors. So if you think about it, here we've got sponsors, American companies trying to sponsor an American company in Shenyun Performing Arts, and the Chinese government is coming in and trying to pressure them not to do that right here in America. But again, this is happening all over the world. Um, I'll give you two more examples. One is Israel. Um, and this is, this is a, a, something we've seen in many countries where the first thing they do is they go after the theater because that's sort of, I think they think that that's easier to coerce, easier to sort of bend to their will. The theater in Israel said, we're, we're going to have the show. You can't, you can't pressure us. So they went to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Again, this is all happening inside Israel, going after the Israeli government, going after Israeli companies, trying to get Schengen canceled. It wasn't successful. The shows were all sold out. There was a big success. But that's sort of kind of the, the kind of thing that they do. That does sound like a very multifaceted campaign, but why go after Shenyun? It's a performing arts group. What threat does it pose to the Chinese regime? Well, if you look at the CCP, for the last 75 plus years, they've essentially been trying to systematically destroy authentic traditional culture, which is a very spiritual culture, because they're trying to instill Marxism in people, right? And for the last almost 25 years, they've been trying to eradicate the spiritual practice Falun Gong, partially because that spiritual practice really represented a renaissance of Chinese spirituality. And so the CCP has been trying to get rid of all this. Suddenly, Shen Yun comes on the scene, and in one performance, dismantles all of that. In one performance, they show this is the beauty of real Chinese culture. This is how spiritual it is. This is what's happening to Falun Gong. And by the way, all the performers that you see on stage, almost all of them, are Falun Gong practitioners. And that dismantles sort of this negative narrative that the CCP propaganda has been against Falun Gong. And so this entire show completely dismantles the CCP propaganda on who they are and what they're doing for China and what Falun Gong is. And that's why it's so terrifying for them. And we know that this is a priority for the CCP because in leaked documents that we get, they very explicitly talk about how important it is to go after Shen Yun as part of the larger campaign to silence Falun Gong around the world. Speaking of that campaign to silence both Falun Gong and the show, you mentioned earlier disinformation. Now, often that comes up as a catch-all phrase. Give us some examples of the type of disinformation that was used against Shen Yun. There's really three important aspects of this that are they're important to understand. Um, the first is the standard narrative that they've been pushing on Falun Gong for 25 years. So anytime they pressure a theater or a government, and, and again, this is not just Shenyun, they do this with Falun Gong, they try and convince people that it's a weird group, that it's a cult. By two people I'd point out in particular, uh, Ian Johnson, who actually covered Falun Gong extensively in China in the early 2000s. He won the Pulitzer Prize in the early 2000s for his coverage of Falun Gong in China and Arthur Waldron from the University of Pennsylvania, who for the last 30 years, probably the foremost, one of the foremost experts on China. Both of these two men have looked at this sort of cult label and 
properly identified it as this is a red herring, this is clearly a political tool, has nothing to do with the actual nature of Falun Gong, but it is the primary mechanism of disinformation because cults are scary, right? The second one I, I would call communist-style rumor-mongering. And I'll give you a, a couple of examples related to Shen Yun. Um, back in 2020, one of the troops was going to Salt Lake City to perform. And this was end of February, so COVID hadn't really hit the United States yet. There was a, a group of Chinese users, which we believe from China, they weren't actually here, but they were on WeChat, and they started spreading this idea that all the Shenyun performers had COVID, they're coming from China, it's very dangerous, you have to shut down the show, otherwise everybody's gonna get COVID. It got so bad that the Utah Department of Health had to go to their Twitter page and say, all right, people, <laughs> calm down. We've looked into this. They're not from China. They can't even perform there. There's no COVID danger. The show is going to go on. So that's, that's one of the things they do. And what's interesting is just days from that, here in New York, uh, Shenyun has their headquarters in Orange County uh, in upstate New York. While this was happening in Utah, there was a Chinese-language Facebook account that was opened, and a post was made saying similar things that the headquarters where Shen Yun was, people were dying of COVID, they're desperate, they're, they can't get out of the mountain, they were trying to make it into some sort of weird Waco, Texas kind of scenario. That got so bad that the local police department, which is known as the Deer Park Police, they took to their Twitter page and said, all right, people, <laughs> And again, this is back in end of February. There is not a single case of COVID in all of Orange County, which is where the Shenyun headquarters is. So everybody relax. This is not an issue. So that was the second thing I would point to. The third part of the disinformation campaign, which I think is perhaps one of the most insidious, and one of the, um, I mentioned at the beginning of the show that one of the things we're very concerned about is this campaign is now targeting Americans. It's this third disinformation. Um, aspect, and that is where they try and seed lies. They look at the American landscape and they say, what is the hot button issue here? Okay, let the, the, let's not use cult, let's use something that's gonna resonate here in America. And so they took the idea of racism, and they said, okay, we can use that. And you first see it on the, on the, the Chinese government English language websites where they start calling Falun Gong racist because they, quote unquote, forbid interracial marriage. Right Now, the one problem with that is reality. If you look at the Falun Gong community, not only here in the United States, but all over the world, there's all kinds of interracial marriage. This is a completely non-issue. It's nothing that, that, that has any basis on reality. I'm in an interracial marriage myself, and I'm the head of the Falun Dong Information Center, right? So this is complete nonsense, but they don't care about that. They're banking on the idea that racism is a hot button issue in America, Few people know what Falun Gong is or Shen Yun, and into that void, they can pour something that's gonna have some traction. It starts to get picked up first by low-level, sort of low-tier, middle-tier uh, media, um, but it, it has made, at this point, it's made its way all the way to the New York Times. Now, it was just a passing reference, but if you look at their, you know, I read their article, it came out uh, two or three years ago when it had this reference, and you look at where their source is, they're pointing to some Australian paper, and you read the Australian paper, and it's like this one disgruntled girl who's repeating what the Chinese government says. That's the sum total of the evidence. There's not a single bit of actual investigation of, hey, what does this community actually think about this issue? So what's scary about that is that while doing this report, 
I was shown a lot of the commentary that Shen Yun gets on some of their social media pages. There is a certain amount of comments coming in from people who are saying, I'm not going to go see Shen Yun because they're racist. And if you think about that, so this is a lie that the CCP totally made up, and there are now Americans out there who've got it into their head that I'm not going to go see this show because they're racist. So this is the thing that's really disconcerting to us, because where this, this, this campaign to silence Shen Yun, it had started by just going after theater owners, government officials, things like that. And when they couldn't get them to cancel the show, they said, OK, if we can't get them to cancel the show, we are going to get Americans not to want to go. And given all of this against Shen Yun, has it been successful? Well, I think objectively you could say no, um, in that if you just look at Shen Yun's growth, um, when we studied, we studied them from their inception up to today. And so they were first formed in 2006. They first started touring in 2007. They had one touring company back then. You look at today, eight companies that tour the world simultaneously for half the year, from December through May, going to close to 200 cities now around the world every single year. And every show that I looked at during our investigation pretty much sold out. So clearly this is having, as a, and this is an interesting time also for a performing arts company to be excelling like that. Um, a lot of them are struggling, especially through the COVID period. So clearly there's a tremendous amount of success that Shinya is meeting and their campaign is failing in that regard. For government officials kind of bristling at being told to, by the CCP what they can and cannot do in their own backyard. But you do see some cases of caving. Um, and I think the correlation between, if you look at the pattern, if you, the countries that are sort of already have a pretty close tie to the CCP are the ones that are probably more susceptible to this. So there was an instance, for example, in Spain. They canceled shows at the last minute. Moldova canceled shows. Shenyun tried to hold shows in, in Thailand. Those got canceled. Um, there's a lot of trouble in South Korea, which is really an interesting battleground because it is a thriving democracy, at least on the surface, it's a thriving democracy, but it's very close to the, the China physically. And they're just what we've discovered when looking at this report, there's just a lot of uh, influence from the CCP over South Korea. But overall, the company has really taken off in the last 15 years. On that note, then, what's at stake here in terms of Shen Yun being able to perform? Why should, say, the average American care whether or not this show is able to perform? Well, I think, I think there's a few things come to mind. I mean, one is, I think, this is a basic principle of protecting uh, freedom of expression on the world stage. You know, we can't have anything, whether it's a performing arts company from America or a movie from, you know, France or what have you, we can't have the CCP dictating to the international community what they can and cannot see. So I think that's the, one of the basic things that's at stake. I think that's also at stake for America, how do we protect our own? I mean, keep in mind, this is an American company formed here in, in New York. And so if an American company is, is on the world stage, I think it's it's up to the United States and its allies to be able to protect that entity when it's getting attacked in very illicit ways um, from the CCP. But also I think probably the most important thing, and I, I wanna qualify this first by saying from, from the folks at Shen Yun, they didn't create this show as a political weapon, right? They, they created this because they saw that their culture, authentic Chinese culture was on the verge of being wiped out. In fact, I remember in an interview, one of the United States senators actually said that out loud. 
And, and, you know, they, they had worked on China issues for a long time, but they said, this is the first time I can clearly see what a benign, benevolent China would look like. And I think that's really important, because if you look at all the trouble we've had, especially in this country, right, over the last five, ten years, whether it's, you know, student groups doing various things and, and the professor at Harvard that was, that was arrested, and all this sort of espionage and, and loss of economic and intellectual capital and all these things that are happening because of CCP infiltration and, and spies and espionage, things going on, now more than ever, it's important for Americans, it's important for the world to be able to see what the real China could be without communism. On that note, what can the U.S. do about this then? Individually, I, I would just tell um, any sort of policymakers, just go see the show if you haven't seen it. Because, again, there's sort of there's so much disinformation about the CCP and we're sort of talking about concepts. Just go see it. And you'll see for yourself what we're talking about. Uh, I think that's one of the important things they could, they could do. Uh, the second thing is I think they need to get serious with Chinese diplomats. If Chinese diplomats are in our country threatening our companies not to support Shen Yun, threatening our theaters, threatening our government leaders not to support Shen Yun, again, which is an American company, they do not deserve to be here. Those, those diplomats should be expelled from the country. There should be real consequences for taking illicit action against Shen Yun. There's a third thing I think is very important, and that is security, physical security. Just a few months ago, there was this, I guess you'd call him a Chinese YouTuber, who was clearly parroting a lot of CCP hate against Falun Gong, against Shen Yun. He, his threats and some of the veracity of what he was doing and some of the other things that he was posting prompted law enforcement to issue a notice, something called a notice to law enforcement throughout the northeastern United States because they were worried about the threat that he posed to the Shen Yun headquarters here in New York. We actually, they had actually policemen sort of involved, FBI got involved. It got really serious, and we can't have that. We can't, especially if what's underneath that, what's driving it is hate propaganda from a foreign communist power causing people to want to harm or cause damage to an American company and the people who work there. That was a real wake-up call, that, that security alert that I saw. To your point, that ties into the Chinese regime's transnational repression or long arm of the law. You mentioned that many of the Xinyin dancers have their either their own lives or even their family back home in China endangered. Could you maybe expand on that and give us some examples of what could be at stake? Do they get their visas denied? How does that work? Sure. I mean, most of what we've seen is um, persecution of family members that are back home in China. Um, so Shen Yun has a principal dancer named Stephen Wong. And last year, literally while he's on the road every night getting up on stage, his mother was sentenced to four years in prison for her faith in Falun Gong. And this is, I mean, I, I, this is the thing I think people don't realize how real this is for a lot of the Shen Yun performers. Here, Stephen Wong is a principal dancer, which means he plays one of the main roles, including one of the dance pieces from last year's performance showed the persecution of Falun Gong. And imagine, put yourself in Stephen's shoes. He's getting up on stage and acting out what his mother is going through in real life at that time. There's another young woman who's actually part of the orchestra who tells her story about, she was, I don't know, like a prodigy the right word, but she was a very talented young musician. And so at the age of 14, 
Uh, she got a scholarship to an academy here in America, but her parents practiced Falun Gong. And she talks about, you know, when they dropped her off at the airport in Beijing, she's 14 years old, she doesn't know if she's ever going to see her parents again. And having to come here, and she got better and better, and she tried out for Shen Yun, and now she's with Shen Yun. These are some of the stories that, that you know, these are a, some of the artists live with this stuff. It's very visceral. It's very real to them. Um, and what's very heartening to me is to see, from a, from a human rights standpoint, someone wants to defend human rights, the courage of those people to still get up on stage, no matter what's happened to them or what they've been through, and say, I still want to share this beautiful culture with people. I still want to tell people what's going on um, in China. On that note, I want to expand on that a little bit, because right now we are seeing almost record high tensions between the two superpowers, between the U.S. and China. A lot of Chinese students are being caught in the middle. If they have ties to potentially the Chinese military, they're getting their grants, scholarships stopped, mm -hmm. even visas denied. Given all these tensions between the countries, some might look at Shen Yun, even if it is an American company, and be like, mm, maybe I don't want to touch that. Is Shen Yun actually aligned with American interests? Give us a sense of that. I think it very much is, but I, again, I'd qualify with that, that that's not Shen Yun's intention. Shen Yun's intention was clearly to say, hey, let's showcase a culture. Let's showcase a, a culture as it really is. Um, but from an American standpoint, absolutely aligned. And I think it actually transcends the China-American issue. Because one of the things, you know, another thing I studied is that almost every, after every, every show, there are audience members that come out and they, they give interviews about what they just saw. And I studied, I've, I've gone through hundreds and hundreds of these. And it's fascinating to see the effect it has on people in terms of, I would say, de-escalating extremism or tribalism. There's this general sense of hope. There's something very precious to our common humanity. To highlight one of your earlier examples of the senator, right, who came out of the show and said, oh, this shows what a true and good China could be that's not ruled by the CCP. It does sound like a lot of the tensions we're seeing now is because it is the Chinese Communist Party that's in control in China instead of, say, this China that the show is showing. What do you make of kind of that aspect? I think that's an incredibly important distinction. It opens up the wisdom and benevolence of what our policy towards China could be if we could really engage the people and support their, their country, their culture, the people there, understanding that they are not the CCP and they are, the CCP is their overlords. It does sound very powerful indeed of Shen Yun as an art form. Mm -hmm. Well, Levi Browdy, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for having me.